Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch, and this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome to back to Bat Force Radio. Uh, another special episode tonight. Previously, you heard us with David Finch, the new Batman artist. So uh, we're continuing with that trend tonight. Uh, we're going to follow up on some rebirth news. Uh, so first of all, uh, this is Robin. We've got Grandpa Batman in here. Howdy. Uh, Notorious LPC. Yo. Bat Force Tom. Uh, good evening, everyone. And the <laughs> Trunkler, Batman Villains. Hello. <laughs> so tonight uh, a very special guest in here uh, this is a guy who uh, he's been all over the place as of late and he's everyone's favorite person to talk about it seems you've seen him writing Sheriff of Babylon over at Vertigo he's still doing The Vision over at Marvel and with DC he's been doing Omega Men Grayson, The Robin War and he is now being entrusted with the reins to take over the helm of Batman with Rebirth. Uh, welcome, Mr. Tom King. Woohoo! Hey. Oh. This is the that's the best reception I've ever got to anything. So once <laughs> you know we're starting on a high note, it can only go. Yeah, it can only go down from here. We've set the bar high, and now yes. we can just kind of trip underneath it. Absolutely. Now all the hard questions and the gotcha. I get it. I get it. Well, oh, thanks for having me. I should say that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, the the pleasure is all ours. It's fantastic uh, that Definitely. you're uh, able to come on with us. We we know you've got a full plate and lots to worry about right now. What? I I have a full plate. I gotta be somewhere. What is that? <laughs> Cancel. Letters. Cut. Yeah, I'm out of here, guys. Oh, that was nice. Nice being on your podcast. I'll be Thank wrong. you. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Nice meeting you, Mr. Trunkler. I'm sorry about the whole thing. <laughs> okay. He's going through therapy. He'll be fine. Trunk therapy? Do you have to do the, do the therapy in the trunk? or It's exposure therapy. He has to actually take one item out of the trunk and bring it into the house yeah. once a day. It's a, it's a very um, a lot of steps. It's not like a 12-step uh, with the AA meetings. It's similar. Yeah. But, yeah. No easy schmeezy AA stuff. This is just, um, yeah. This is getting nerds past the wife. No, yeah. I understand. It's more like 24 <laughs> steps between the trunk and the front door, so it's kind of like a yeah. double-step process. That's, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. But okay, just to allay everyone's fears, this is not an episode about the trunkler. We've had enough of those, God knows. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get into things here now. Uh, Tom, you don't have the typical resume that a comic writer has when uh, breaking into the game. Uh, we need to stop because I was not told that it wasn't going to be a Trunkler episode. I thought I was interviewing him the whole time. What, but this is... You really changed how, the rules. That was how I lured you in. Yeah. See, people get lured into the trunk. See, we, we baited oh, yeah. him. We baited him. We told him, you're 
going to be able to do research for your new rogue called the Trunkler. Yeah, that's what they told me. That's 100% true. And I was premiering in Batman. You guys have all seen the cover of Batman number one, that little superhero looking dude. That guy's the Trunkler, and I need to do some background research. And, dude! <laughs> and that, that, was more than, uh, that was more than Finch gave us. No, that guy is way more <laughs> handsome than the Trunkler. That can't be him. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him in person. It's not the case. I did. <laughs> Well, oh, see, it's oh. my imagination. I just followed the voice into my head, so that's why I, that's where I went. But yeah, who knows? it's the personification of Delusion. his inner child. Delusion All right, so it's not going to be about the trunk, but it's going to be about something else. Fine, cool. go ahead. Yeah, we're going to try to talk a little bit about you. I'm saying I'm so, pissed. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> pissed. you you had uh, a peculiar uh, career for for a comic writer. Uh, do you want to tell everyone uh, what it was you were doing previous and how you uh, eventually led into being the one of the biggest writers in comics right now. Uh, yeah, I took an odd path. Um, I uh, what the hell? Well, no, but I started with a with a more normalish path. I was an intern at Marvel in DC when I was in college, uh, and I wanted to be a comic book writer. I, I grew up at the a super duper super duper nerd. I'm so such a super duper nerd. I still use the word super duper, <laughs> uh, and. Um, and I always wanted to be a comic book writer, and then I went, 9-11 happened, where they flew those stupid planes in those buildings, and I joined the CIA um, to help, like a billion other people did, tried to help, and I ended up doing counterterrorism work for the CIA for um, about seven years, uh, overseas and domestically, uh, working on a bunch of different sort of operations, and um, yeah, so that was interesting, it was a little bit of a curveball, and after that I had a kid. And which I don't recommend in case any of you are considering it. <laughs> uh, it's a terrible experience. It's uh, it's tiring, and and uh, and then I had another kid because I'm an idiot. Jesus. And and they always want to play with your stuff. Dude, you're telling me. Nobody told me that, right? Like, I never wanted to play with my dad's stuff. My dad's stuff was horribly boring, right? Like, what did my dad have for stuff? He had like books that I. No one, no one that want to read like history of the Roman Empire and shit like that. Um, belt buckles, yeah, <laughs> belt buckles, ties, immense amounts of ties, and, and and jackets that you wouldn't actually wear as jackets. You would just wear those decorative jackets. I was useless to me. But my kids, they come into my room and it's full of toys and comics, and they're all over my shit. See, Not get fair. into jackets like your grandpa. Yeah, get into get into jackets. That's what. We My teased oldest. the trunkler, but he may be actually the smartest one of all of us because he keeps that shit hid. Yep. Double life. Well, double life. Just, just like you see, my wife, when we would go to the store and I'd buy a, a figure or whatnot, <laughs> she, would, she would say, oh, won't that be cute? Because I, I have a son who's almost two. Won't that be cute that you know, you, your son can play with these? And I looked at her, I'm like, the fuck? I'm like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> We're going to have to buy two of everything if that's going to happen. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out in about the next three years. How dare yeah, you? Let us yeah. know how your, uh, how your Noah's trunk situation proceeds uh, <laughs> <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> you could be the trunkler sidekick, trunklets. Yeah. There we go. Nice. <laughs> well, Mr. Oh, King, and, uh, I want to. Um... I want to thank you and applaud you for your your service that you actually you know did for our country. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. That's, thank you. That's one of the first things that, um, that I thought of whenever I read your background and and knew that you were going to be coming on our podcast. I I really uh, admire that, and so I just wanted to thank you personally. Well, uh, that that absolutely means like a ton to me, and it makes me try to almost cry. But I always, whenever someone says it to me, I always think of. Um, 
when I was in Iraq and I would walk by like the real soldiers and they were in full armor and it was 130 degrees outside and they had to be there for 12 hours. And I went back to a cubby that had air conditioning. And so I, f- I feel like I, there are a lot of people who did a lot more than me, but I, I appreciate that. How, how, how does one, like, how do you, how do you get into the CIA? Is that just like the first thing you thought of or how did that process happen? I was always good. I mean, I think it comes from comic books. Um, when I was a kid, you know, I'm so, I'm so old. I'm sorry, but we didn't have Wikipedia, um, and so you'd pick up a you'd pick up a comic book and you would be right in the middle of craziness. Like, every, like I remember, like you know, the Fantastic Four had six people in it, or the Avengers didn't have Captain America, and you had to sort of figure out where you're going. I, I, so I was always good at like putting information together. I feel like comics prepared me for that. And I was good then. I was good in college, and um, so when I left Hamilton, they're like, "We need people to connect the dots." I was like, "That I can do. I, I can't be a soldier. I can't do anything else. But I can take a bunch of information and sort of collate it and try to find the patterns in it." Uh, and so I joined to do that, and then I went up, sort of went up the ladder, and they're like, "No, that's kind of not what we want you to do. We want you to be what they call an operations officer, if more fit your profile." Um, and it's more like a tip of the spear thing. We're out there recruiting people and stuff like that. And so uh, I said, all right, well, I guess I'll do that instead. And so that's how, that's how it went up. I, 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 I have no idea why they accepted me. Um, uh, I, I, I remember sitting and, and thinking every, every other person in this room was more qualified than I am. I was, I was really young. I was 22. Most of the guys were older than me, and most of them had PhDs, and most of them were ex-Army. And, you know, I was ex-Thor um, reader. <laughs> and, uh, and you know they're like, you're like, do you speak languages? And I was like, oh, I took you know nine years of French. And they're like, oh, so you speak French? I'm like, no, I don't speak any French. I just took nine <laughs> years of it. <laughs> I, I learned how to pass a test. <laughs> yes, I could. I could pass a test. I could conjugate maybe a verb, maybe. Uh, and um, but uh, I, I do think that. Uh, Part of what makes a good, well, I think actually almost 90% of what makes a good writer is, is, is empathy, sort of imagining yourself to be another person, um, try, trying to get into someone else's head and sort of ex- say, well, what is your life experience like and how is that different than mine and, and you know, what makes your judgments worthy of, of, um, worthy of you carrying them. And I think for CIA, it was, it was the same thing, I, I, the idea of like you have to sort of get into the head of the people you're fighting and, and, um, and understand what their cause is in order so you can fight them. And I, I sort of think those two things are connected. And I think that's why, I don't know. Who knows why? Maybe they just made a typo and they wanted the other king, but I'll take it. <laughs> so have you seen that movie called The Imitation Game? Oh, a long time ago. Is Not- that, you know, it, it, it deals with uh, back in World War Two when. Um, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah no, sorry, I was thinking of the, um, another. Yeah, yeah, the imitation game. That's that's the one about the. Um, you, were, you, you were thinking of the crying game. <laughs> yeah, they they game. take a they take a mathematician, uh, Alan Turing, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and basically pull him into the war, and he, you know, breaks the Germans' unbreakable code. I mean. I, I know you can't really talk about it too much, but do you kind of see yourself as like that was your position with with your role in the CIA? No, no. Basically was, taking information and kind of giving it to the people that made the decisions and all that stuff? No, my my, my role was, I mean, you can read about it on a website, so it's not blocked, it's not operations. My, my role was to find um, terrorist networks 
um, uh, uh, penetrate them and disrupt them. So I, rec I recruited I recruited people to um, to do that. So my my role was to go out and stop terrorists from blowing shit up. That's pretty badass. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's that was nice. But I mean, I'm proud of my service, and I kind of miss it a little bit. But yeah, and and you should be. And the whole time you were doing this, I know that your um, you know your long term goals were probably to get back into comic writing. Were you while you're doing this? Were you thinking in the back of your mind, I could use this for a story, or I could take this and use this for a story? No, honestly, no. I, I never thought that. Um, just because, uh, first of all, and I, 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 I stick to this. Like all the stuff I saw, I could never use. Right? I could never talk about it. That's the deal. Right. Like you, you get to play with the toys because you can never talk about the toys you play with. Mm. Um, so that was very far from my mind. Um, and I enjoyed the job. I thought I'd be in it for a long time. Uh, I did mean, I did when I was growing up, I did admire writers like, uh, um, Hemingway or Remark or you know, writers who had been through a war and, and I think helped that sh shape them a little bit. And I did feel that, and I, you know, after nine 11, the, what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan, like that was kind of, you know, that was key to my generation and, and sort of what we were going through. And so I was, I do think it made me a better writer, but at, at, at the time, I don't know. I, I, also, I, I just never thought anyone could be a writer. I didn't think you could succeed at that. So I, I didn't really think it was an option, a career option, as odd as that is, since I've somewhat <laughs> succeeded at it. Well, you, you proved yourself wrong. Uh, yeah, proved yeah, myself wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, how long were you? How long were you doing that? Uh, yeah, about seven years. About wow. seven years. Yeah, and, and I, I, I worked a little bit stateside before I left. So I, I try try to do a job sort of in Washington D.C. <laughs> And uh, I just got tired of um, seeing people do the job that I wanted to do overseas. So I eventually had left and wrote a novel. And I became a, I became a full-time dad from being full-time CIA to full-time dad one weekend. And I changed diapers. I was Mr. Mom. <laughs> wow. And, you uh, hear that, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, with two jobs, my wife can do that. I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, If you're listening, I love you. Uh, it is hard, man. I, I've been a, a professional comic writer. I've been in the CIA, um, and 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 in between, I was I was a full time parent, and that is the hardest and, and most challenging of those careers. It's, it's a tough job. Um, and then I wrote a book at night, or a novel at night called a Once Crowded Sky, and Simon and Schuster picked it up, and that's how my career began. Tom, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what inspired you to write that, and like the stance on it? Um. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I've said a lot of bullshit over the years, but now that I'm more established, I can tell the truth, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to write comics. I mean, honestly, like I, that's that was my that was my end goal. But I didn't have the money to pay an artist um, to help me out, and I didn't really have the guts either to ask an artist. So I, it was lacking both money and guts, and you need one of those two things if you're a writer to break into comics. Um, so I decided to write a novel instead of the comic book I wanted to write. Um, and I wanted to do a cool idea and I wrote about a bunch of superheroes who all lost their powers. So instead of one superhero losing their powers, seeing that story a thousand times, or instead of seeing a bunch of superheroes, people without powers become superheroes, seeing that story, this is the opposite. It's about a world of superheroes who all lost their powers. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, sort of a metaphor for, I don't know, being powerless and trying to come back from it, that kind of thing. It got good reviews and then nobody... <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone knows about it now, so I'm sure uh, it, it's starting to move out of bookstores now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should get, you know, it's funny, like, I, I'm getting approached from a lot of TV people, and I got, I got a lot of interest in that thing now. Wow, and I was awesome. like, Yeah, and, and um, I was like, really? Once Crowded Sky, like, six people read that poor little book. And, and, and then they're like, yeah. I was like, I don't even remember what happened in the book from when I wrote it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super proud of it. I worked out with Tom Fowler, who helped me out, who's a comic book artist. And... Uh, yeah, if anyone wants, you should, people should check it out. I'm, I'm, I still like that book. I'm surprised, right? Definitely will. Absolutely. Uh, aside from kind of, you know, picking up the uh, the role of a father, what was the hardest transition from going to, I mean, you know, the stuff that you were doing overseas and coming back home, I mean, it's a huge difference, right? You're living one life and then all of a sudden you come back overnight, you're living a different, what was the biggest challenge for that transition for you? Um... Uh, I mean, if you're talking about like when actually like coming back from going overseas, uh, I mean, I, the, the real transition, like, I, I think PTSD is like, like people don't understand. I mean, they understand it in lots of different ways, but the, one of the things they forget about it is, is um, it, PTSD is both like you're remembering all the shit you hated and the war and, the, and those memories of like the terrible stuff, but it's also people don't understand that like when you're, in it, when you're when you're downfield, you 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 feel like you could push on the world and it could move, and um and then when you leave that, you feel like you're missing something, like like as if as if that was good and what you're doing now is not, or like like that was worthy and what you're doing not, and it becomes hard to relate to people because you're like I used to be somewhere and and I used to be important, I used to do this, and now I'm doing nothing, and it just it, it creates a distance between you and people, and it's 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 not about like remembering hardship, it's about that partially, but it's also about remembering something special that you lost. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, yeah, but, um, and uh, also there's a lot more options for uh, soda over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you allowed to talk about any of the things that you were doing back then? Uh, I, I mean, I'm allowed in general, like you've heard me talk about it in very general terms. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I've said I've been, I went to Iraq, so I guess I can say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and you, uh, you use that experience basically to build your creator-owned comic, Sheriff of Babylon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and 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 that series, every word of that gets approved by the CIA. I send every script that uh, gets scripted. Oh wow! Like just because it needs to be okay. Like yeah, there's this. You're not giving away too much. Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. So yeah, I never, was, I never had a desire to write directly about that CIA experience. I still don't. Maybe I will someday. But do you think that's more well, of a just? You think that's a way of, well, I don't, I don't want to say therapy, but just kind of getting out, um, like a release. Yeah, kind of a re- release or anything like that, or kind of giving back to those that have served over in Iraq and kind of giving them something that they can grasp onto and be like, yeah, this is cool because I was there and this is how it was. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's both those things. I mean, I, th- I think all comics and all writing has to be a release for you. I mean, you, you have to bleed into the page. And that has, I mean, I believe in the page, I mean, you have to put yourself into what you write. And hopefully that has to be a positive experience for you so you get something out of being a writer besides, I mean, I mean, money's nice, don't get me wrong, but. <laughs> of course. Yeah, paying the, bill, paying the bills is number one. Number two is just having some positive, you know, mental health. And number three is the success part, right? So, like, once you pay the bills and then you're at that point where, like, like you should write because, you know, you can get some of that out of you, and you can you can therapy is a great word for it, I think. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't presume that what I write makes some difference to people who are in Iraq who did a lot more than I did. Uh, 
I do kind of like, I mean, I, I, I like, I, when I write Sheriff, I, I never want to make it anything black and white where like, I see a lot of stuff about Iraq that like, oh, the contractors were evil and the military was good or the military was evil and the Iraqis were good and, or the Democrats were good and the Republicans were bad or Republicans good. And it's all just like, it's so simple. And I, I think if, if anything, the one contribution I made is the people who were there was so fucking complicated and it wasn't about that. Nobody was thinking in those terms, you know, people were just like, I'm here. I got to make the best of what, what I'm doing with my day and there's shit coming at me. And I just want to get that experience across. I've always wondered like, you know, with like a writer like yourself who is on multiple books, how do you flip the script, like, you know, juggle between this week I'm doing uh, Vision, then I'm going to do Sheriff, and then I'm going to do, uh, you know, Grayson, and, and now you've picked up Batman. I mean, how do you juggle all those? Dude, you know, honest, honestly, I don't know. Sometimes I do it well and sometimes I don't. Like today, just to give you an example, man, I was – I got three sets of letters in, so I'm doing my letters for Sheriff, letters for Omega Men, and letters for Batman, and then I'm editing a Batman script and just going between them, and each one has sort of a different style and a different makeup. Um, I don't know, you just try to write the page that's in front of you, and you hope you write the right one at the right time. It's funny, because they all do, like, like, Sheriff is very realistic dialogue. It, dialogue, it can go nowhere, it can do nothing. Omega Men is over the top, adventure dialogue, and it's all, like, re repetitions, and visions, like, robots talking, and... <laughs> Um, and then Batman is a superhero book, which is a totally different genre. And so, um, I just, I don't know. I, I just try to imagine the comic book I want to read and I write that. But yeah, it's, it's weird sometimes. It's bizarre transitions. Do you have like a set schedule for each book or is it just pretty much like what's available, what, what I've got to do on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a schedule, a little rotation. Omega Man finally just rotated out. I finished up Omega Man. That's going to be done by tomorrow. The end of Omega Man, which has and, been fantastic, by the way. Oh, thank you. Good. Yes. I was wondering where my one reader was. No, dude. No. <laughs> Let me tell you something real quick, just to interject about Omega Man. Um, since day one of that book coming out, I think I had a friend at the shop. I'll give a shout out right now to Troy over at Collectors Paradise. But fuck this yeah, guy, Troy. Yeah, fuck yeah, Troy. Um, I swear, <laughs> since I, I can't remember which came first, was it your run on Grayson or was it Omega Men that came out first? Grayson came first. So he, but Omega Men was soon after. He he started re reading on Grayson, and I'm not kidding you. Every week that either Grayson came out or Omega Men came out, he I, I would always catch him at the shop. You know you, the regulars that you see. Sure, um, yeah. Yeah, so I'd go in Wednesday after work, and he'd be in there. He's like, dude, are you reading Grayson? Every time an issue would come out he would tell me you need to read this dude like this is my favorite book in dc right now just the my favorite grit and and he would say it i'm not kidding you every time an, uh, a um, an issue would come out and then he jumped onto omega men too and he said the same thing he's like dude it's taunt bro it's the same guy who writes grayson man you gotta check it out and then that's why i picked up omega men first and um my god dude it's it, i love you know, and um, I love the the Jack Kirby stuff, the Fourth World stuff, the New God stuff, and it kind of has that feeling. And it's yeah. so it's so cool to think about that is that this this you know this uh, storyline is taking place unbeknownst to all these other characters who have their own shit lives that they're trying to deal with, right? And everything seems almost insignificant in comparison. Um, so yeah, it's a fantastic book. I recommend it to anybody who's listening right now. It's a fantastic book. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah dude, I know I know exactly what you mean. It, it's so much fun to write because. There's no real rules. Like I can kill as many people as I want. The, the, Which the you do. Good guys, and you do it in like the first or second issue when you know. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I can make these over the. Yeah, I, I love it. It's, I mean, it's, it's my it's my version of Star Wars, right? It's just yeah. like huge, bombastic. It's action, and hopefully it has some sort of message at the at the heart of it. And um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I love. I'm gonna miss it so much. Just working on the last issue, I'm feeling very melancholy about it. Yeah, well, we're, we're gonna miss it. Troy, uh, he actually the way he sold it to me was he was saying that I think he talked, I think he talked to you at a convention, and he asked. You know what's like the pitch? What's the what's the pitch for Mega Man? And you said ter- fighting terrorism in space. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I was like, what? I gotta read that. That sounds awesome. So, yeah. and you're on and you're on the side of the terrorists. Kind of <laughs> now you you had uh, what sort of a personal victory with Omega Man because at one point DC had made the announcement that they were canceling the title. Yeah. And That's- basically the world yelled at them, <laughs> and they said. Okay. Okay. Here you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, that's I, not something that uh, often happens. Uh, that must have must have you must have felt pretty vindicated to have uh, public response calling so strongly for the book to to continue that it happened. That is awesome. It was absolutely amazing and stunning. But you know, my uh, to be perfectly honest, like my feeling wasn't vindication. It, it it was I don't know, like fear and frustration, like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because, because you know, they call, they call you, they call me like, oh, we're canceled. I was like, that's oh, all right. You know, I had Grayson going on and Vision was starting up. So I was like, okay, I'm cool. You know, it, it happens. And, and, I'm, and Omega Man has this really weird paneling structure thing. I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I'm losing it. Um, but, uh, and then, so then, like, I took the weekend. I was like, and, you know, people online were the friends. I was like, all right, I'm fine. I'm fine. That we rewrote a whole issue. We came up with a new ending. We worked for a week on it. Rubbed everything on my desk. I'm like, good. This, we got an ending. We'll, we'll finish. There'll be one trade. I'll be happy with it. And then they're like, call me. You're like, Tom, it's renewed. Everything's fine. And I'm like, what? I just worked for two weeks and my brain was in the right place and now it's fine. <laughs> you had closure and now. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, it's like it's like if your if if your girlfriend like broke up with you and you're like, oh, you're right, you're right. We're not meant for each other. I get it. I get it. I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. And then she shows up to your door. It's like, actually, I love you. And you're like, oh no, bitch. <laughs> um, uh, I've got this other girl in the room. Yeah. Sorry. Like yeah, it was. We were on a break. Yeah, like the trunk was already closed. You know, you one foot in the door, all of a sudden yeah. pops open, man. <laughs> There's the trunkler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so, uh, yeah, I was. I, we, you know, we did this big. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, it, but like when the rebirth thing, we did like a YouTube thing where we all got on stage or whatever. Yeah, the and WonderCon event. A WonderCon event, yeah. And so like we had a practice run of it, and uh, Dan and Dan Didio, Jim Lee, and Jeff Jones were like peppering me with questions, and I was the first one to go because I was on Batman, and they're like. So don't say what you're gonna say. Just bullshit. So we were just we were just bullshitting, and I made fun of Dan for probably something. Um, uh, and and he's like, "Don't say that, or I'm gonna put you on our least selling book." And I'm like, "Dan, I'm already on your least selling book." <laughs> <laughs> and you, you saw the look on his face, like, "Why are we giving this guy Batman? He's on our least selling." <laughs> Did you think it was maybe kind of a, I don't know, a, a strategy or a plan to just for like. Jim Lee and and Dan to just say let's let this guy flex his you know creative muscles and spread his wings a little bit and let's see what he can do and the fact that you actually got readers reaction to keep going maybe impressed them enough to think hey maybe we got something here and let's let's give him Batman yeah some established fanfare already DC has the, probably the worst rep of any entertainment company in the world mm. people hate DC comics yep um, 
and it's and and then and they've they, they have valid reasons. They have good arguments. I'm not saying everything. They're not a brilliant company, but as far as like the stuff people accuse them of, in terms of my own personal experience, like. I wrote a comic that didn't sell, but was artsy fartsy and appealed to an independent audience that had a Latino lead um, and a bunch of characters you never heard of that was totally original and nobody bought it and they supported it and let it go for 12 issues even though they didn't have to, which is the exact opposite thing if everyone would say if they do. Um, and they, and I, 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 write, I write that comic and I write Vision, a very artsy fartsy comic over at Marvel, and they promoted me for Batman because they're like, you're writing quality comics and we're not, you know, you, you're not the best selling, I'm not the best selling comic book writer out there um yeah like them yeah yeah god knock on somewhere, right? um, yeah I'm, I'm coming for you jason aaron i'm sure uh but um it, but but i mean that as far as they've treated me and i can't say they treat everyone this way but they've treated me very fairly in, in terms of sort of valuing my creativity and, and, and creative input more than just looking at sales numbers and trends and all that stuff that they get accused of. Now, I'm not saying they don't do that for everybody else. I'm just saying for me, they've treated me very well. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's great that, to hear that they, they are giving you, number one, they treat you well. Number two, um, they're putting you on an amazing book. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's, I, I think that you're right. Like, people think that, oh, they're just, you know, they're chasing numbers or chasing dollar signs. But if you look at the majority of the books, you know, that started out like in the New 52, um, that we're trying, they were trying to relaunch. These are all characters that I think the creators really loved and wanted to get people to read, not necessarily like, you know, already established characters that would just make money. They were really trying to push for like, you know, Blue Beetle, um, you know, like the, just books that titles that, that people... Animal Man. Yeah, just things that weren't familiar to, to readers that they wanted to kind of reintroduce people to and kind of show like, hey, look, these are some actual cool stories. These are some cool characters. These are characters that you might like to check it out. And I think people really forget about that, you know. Uh, they forget about the fact that they've done a lot of things with uh, some kind of characters that are, you know, out of left field, um, that they don't have to. They could just forget about them and not do anything with them, let them sit on a shelf, but instead they're kind of letting them come back into the, the, the play, you know. So that's, uh, that's why I think uh, I'm excited to see just kind of where you go with Batman, because you're coming from all different, you know, sides of the fence with... Uh, the things that you've worked on it's like this, you have an eclectic background and it's really interesting to see where you're going to go with you know gotham city basically so it's gonna be cool to see oh guys it's I'm, i just got the art back this week you're gonna hear my kids are jumping around so i'm warning the audience <laughs> i thought, that was, I thought that was rich <laughs> i thought that was the kid that got I'm out of scott's excited. trunk yeah. <laughs> well you were saying you just got the art back from jason or jason i'm sorry no um, david david I, you said jason aaron had jason aaron then david finch yeah we just talked to him was it two weeks ago god david's good people man oh, he's geez. just yeah oh, he's solid man such a cool guy and he doesn't draw that bad either i'll say that much <laughs> hey mr king Whoa, i had a time. uh I had a question regarding that you know you that was a perfect segue into the artwork um sure. You know, did you know David Finch before you started working with him? I knew of David Finch before I started working with him. I have a David Finch page hanging above my wall that I bought independently because I'm such a fan of his art. Um, but I had never met him or known him, and I would, if I had, I would probably be too intimidated, too intimidated to talk to him. Um, this is my first time working with sort of one of these A-lists. A-list artists. I've, I've worked with sort of up-and-comers up to this point, right? And um, who are, who are now becoming A-list. Like I worked with Mikhail Yannon on um, uh, Grayson. Now he's on Batman, and yep. 
And, so uh, how did that how did that set up or that meeting go when you know they told you we want you on Batman? Did you get a selection of artists or did they just say, hey, we got some guy that's gonna really you know pop the pages off? You know, they heard they came to me with. It's hard to remember because so many things shifted around. The, the, um, they came to me with Batman, and they, they didn't have an artist attached. Um, and I think originally they were thinking maybe Mikel would take it because Mikel was coming up, and, and he knew they knew I could work with him pretty well. We get along. And um, I don't know what happened with David. I, I, I've never asked him the story of sort of what his opinion was, but then at some point they're like, Finch is on it. And I love Finch stuff. I mean, New Avengers, his New Avengers number one, his run there, is one of the comics that got me back into comics when sort of I left for a little while. Um, Didn't he say that 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 cover for number one was his favorite cover of all time that he's done? Yep. Yeah, yeah. See that, and for me, the favorite thing he's done is the, is the interior splash where he's got electro and he's like pulling on the mask and like it was like a whole different way of thinking of how a costume works. It was this amazing thing, um, and so it was, I mean that was an utter no brainer. I was like, and I had read his I had read his Batman, his Dark Knight Batman, um, he did with Paul Jenkins. And uh, so, so I, I was insanely excited to work with him, and I and I, and I even felt, and I feel Dave feel this way that people really haven't seen how good he can be on Batman. Um, that he could bring that, that, that as good as Dark Knight is, there was like he had another gear in him, and and, and I think you're going to see that in Batman number one. That that there's a there's a there's an even darker and slicker and better Batman coming at you. And, and he, was pretty, he was pretty excited when we talked to him two weeks ago. I mean, <laughs> he called uh, you a genius. Yep. What, what, <laughs> no. what did he but say? I will, I will call him a genius back. We'll, we'll co-genius each other. <laughs> I, th- I think this nice. is going to be, you know, the birth of a new, um, you know, a new regime that, you know, let's, let's all, you know, talk about it. There's an elephant in the room that you're following Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, which that's never, not a never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Poor not an easy yeah. task, but I think <laughs> you know uh, we're in good hands with with the future of Batman with you two working together. Uh, yeah, no, that scares the shit out of me. Uh, Scott, <laughs> in my opinion, Scott and Greg have had the best overall run in Batman in, in history, just in terms of if you, if you look at in terms of art. And length and story and consequence, um, to me, to me, they're, they're number one. And uh, and Scott's a good friend of mine, so I should suck up to him as much as I can. Uh, <laughs> um, and he's taught me a ton of, about how to write Batman. But but I mean, that's the nice part about com- coming to it. Like Batman's not broken. Like like he doesn't have to be quote unquote reborn, right? I just I, I have to learn what Scott did and 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 put my own spin on that. And then try to to carry that weight as well as he did, um, but uh, but it helps having Dave with me. That helps a lot. Yeah, I, w- I was wondering if um, if you'll be using anything from his run, like the core or the talent or whatnot. Uh, not. I mean, I will. His run and and what he set up and sort of the Scott Snyder pattern sets up the run. So it's, so there's a continuity between it all. And we're doing this rebirth issue where we're writing it together to sort of do like a handoff, kind of a football handoff, um, which is the first which Mikel's drawing. And um, but yeah, his his 
it's not as if I'm addressing stuff that's directly in his, but his, the sort of the fuse he lit in his series blows up in mine. I think that's the best way to put it. Nice. Nice. Well, I was going to ask you, um, uh, Robin Wars, at the end of it, and I'm just going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it because it's been so long. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, I'll like close my ears. Jesus. Asshole. Um, Go ahead, Scott. At the end, at the end when Dick Grayson is in front of the court and the final panels where he puts the the court, the, the owl's mask on. Was that something you were planning on doing before uh, DC came and said, we're doing this rebirth? Or is that something kind of on the back burner that you plan on perhaps doing in the future? Yeah, it, I mean, it got complicated in terms of all that happened. But yeah, right after that Robin War thing hit, we had we had big plans on how to sort of continue that story in Grayson because we had a, like a 50-issue plan of what was going to happen there. Um and then the rebirth stuff hit, and I knew I was going to leave to Batman, and um, Tim was going to go over to Nightwing, and so we sort of had to pause that story. But it's going to continue. The, the implications of it's going to continue in. Am I allowed to say this? Well, anyways, I think it's sure. going to play. I think it's going to play out in Nightwing. I haven't read the script yet. Maybe I'm wrong. About that. But um, but, but <laughs> I mean, Tim and I made all those plans together, and Tim is currently writing Nightwing, so he knows what's going on. So I'll trust that. Oh, very awesome. But yeah, I do, I do, I do. It is it is a regret of mine that we set up this very cool status quo. And I mean I only wrote one post Robin War issue and it was the one with the song in it. Right? So yeah. um, and that was like my goodbye issue, basically. Because when they came to me and they they're like, Okay, you're gonna do double ship uh, Batman books, plus I'm already re- I was already writing four series at the time. Um, so I was doing so that would be no I was writing three series so then uh, so basically five series a month which is a lot of writing for me so they had to end them with with Grayson it was six so they're like okay you have to drop Grayson ASAP so I was like oh man it was it was tough to do that but but Batman is nice Batman's nice (laughs) yeah Batman pays the bills compromise (laughs) apparently he's better than Dick Grayson (laughs) I I would not go that far I would (laughs) but uh, I will. I will say that uh, while reading Grayson, um, it definitely has that uh, feel that maybe you've taken kind of um, your own per- like some personal experiences or, you know, wh- how we as the, the public see the CIA and kind of put that in in your writing with Grayson, um, the whole secret agent. And he's really talking to Batman while infiltrating Spiral and, and almost like the oh, I almost felt like a James Bond, but Grayson was James <laughs> yeah. Bond. I mean, that's just that's just what we're going for, that James Bond feel. That feels like when you murder that martini, how you fucking blood goes up. Like that's what we wanted to get out of every crazy. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, one issue that stuck out in my mind, like that was uh, I think it was issue sixteen where the it starts off with Grayson as the bartender at some you know, like Russian club or something or France and yeah. he's going around hunting him and um agent one, one tiger two. Yeah, one. tiger or, uh, yeah, um, we're hunting down other spiral agents and showed them like on the skis, you know, in a plane. You know, they're 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 beating they're beating ass all over the place. It definitely had that that had more of a James Bond feel to it. I love that issue. I wrote that issue on a plane. I was coming back from a friend's from my my like friend's father's funeral, and um, and I was just like, I don't want to write anything sad. I don't want to write usual Tom 
some character staring at a wall, being depressed about some decision they made. I want to write fucking the most fun comic I can possibly write. And so that's what turned out to be Grayson 16. I was like, I just want to write something that'll make people laugh because that seems more important to me right now. And so, yeah, that, I, I love that issue. That's awesome. What's your headspace like now that you're sitting down and starting to do Batman? You know, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's not like my other comics, I have to say. It's, it's, it's a different sort of space. Um, and I'm getting used to it. I don't think I'm all the way there yet. Um, but sometimes I can get into groove. I, I think the, the trick to me in, in writing Batman is like, the, I mean, there, there's a Batman story that like your soul wants to tell. And it's like the dark brooding Batman who hates himself and hates hates everything and is like the anti-hero, fascist, whatever. Because I love I love DKR and I love Alan Moore stuff. And um, and and when I first started writing, I started writing that stuff. And Batman was kind of an asshole. He was mean to people. And he was kind of like you know uh, Batman, you know All Star Batman and Robin. I'm a goddamn Batman kind of shit. <laughs> um, and 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 I, I found myself writing this. And I was like, I don't like this because. I realized he wasn't the hero of the story, and I, I, I was losing that part of him. And, and I was like, that, as much as I love the darkness of Batman, I'm, and I lean into that. And, and you know, if you read my vision stuff, I, I like I, I like to do a little creepy and evil. But at the end of the day, Batman's not just about being dark and being scary and being insane. Batman's about being a hero, and it's about being exposed to the dark and the insane and, and pushing back against that and saying, you know, no, no more. Like no one else gets shot in that alley. No one else has to suffer what I suffered. And so, so, so get into the Batman movies. It's like, you have to put yourself in that dark, dark headspace and then you have to see how you can come out of it. You have to find those humorous moments. Like I think of, um, like I, I watched Batman Begins the other day and I loved it so much. I was like, why do I love this movie so much? And, and, and I, I love that good. movie. Cause it's good, right? <laughs> But, but but what what were, I was watching and what, what was appealing to me were like the small moments of humor, like th- like that moment in the beginning where where where, where he's, he's they have to take him out of the prison. You know they say oh you know I'm I'm not you don't need to protection from them. Yeah exactly yeah, yeah exactly I don't need protection dude. protection for them. That's right. That's what, <laughs> see that to me is a Batman moment. It's badass, yeah. and but because it's so badass, it's fucking funny. Mm. Like that's what I want to get out of. Like yeah, like it should be Batman. Hell yeah! Like, at the end of the day, it should be Batman. Fuck, this is awesome! Like that's what I want. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I am excited for that now. So you know how in you know Batman, the Rogues, and even Gotham City itself are are very much you know vital characters. What's your Gotham? It's funny because I was um, I, you know Scott and I talk a lot about Gotham City. Uh, and, and we're both city boys. Scott was raised in Manhattan in New York, and I was raised in, uh, in L.A. In the, in, in, and, and I think it influences us in different ways. Because I feel like like New York, the way Scott thinks of it, it's, it's, um, it's a horrible, dark, danky place, but in its heart, it's this beautiful, hopeful wonderland. And then L.A., it's, it, L.A. is a beautiful, hopeful wonderland, and in its heart, it's dark and horrible. And, and, and so I, I think of Gotham, I, I, I think maybe Gotham is, is more along... My, my Gotham seems a little lighter, but at its core, it's, it's, there's something just truly awful about it. There's something off about that city. And what makes Batman special is that he operates in a place that is that horrible. I think that, that, that's why. And, oh, God, it looks – it's nothing 
I've shot because Jordy Blair's on colors and she's on my colors on vision. And, Great. Uh, yeah, and, and and what she's doing with, combined with with uh, Dave, who's the best background artist maybe in the history of comics, um, is to create this this Gotham, and it's like nothing you've ever seen before. I've read so many Batman comics lately, and and throughout my whole life, and it's 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 like brighter than you would think it is, but because it's bright, it's almost like a neon kind of bright, like when um, and it kind of like almost burns your eyes in this weird sort of way that like you're, you're almost scared of it. Like, like it's just somehow intimidating scary. Kind of, it, it reminds me of, um, like, do androids uh, dream of electric sheep? Whatever that, what's the real version of the movie? Whatever. Well, sometimes um, it's like when light is, you know, shown on something, you get to see the, the ugly scars and cracks that you yeah. didn't see when it was dark, you know? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly that's it. That's a very cool concept. Thanks, man. That's I'm really excited about that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I look better in the dark. <laughs> Tom, uh, you mentioned that you have been reading a lot of Batman lately. Is that because you're kind of trying to get into, uh, kind of get get in the mood for it? Yeah, I mean, I grew up like every single nerd ever reading Batman regularly. Um, sort of my prime Batman years as a kid were uh, the Alan Grant, Aparo years. Mm. You know, when Tim Drake first came in, and then to the Kelly Jones years, like those, oh, and then yes. like. And then, you know, like Nightfall and Bane and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and I, I sort of came out of it after that. Um, go ahead. Have you been reading anything? Uh, like, what, what's what's the most recent thing you've uh, read to kind of get your your uh, your headspace ready for getting into Batman yourself? Uh, I just read the KG Beast arc, um, the four issue. With the Ten Nights of the Beast. Ten Nights of the Beast. Oh, man, that's so good. That was ridiculously good. When he's dropping the, the things down the elevators, I can't believe it. Oh, man. Um, and I've just, I've been reading a lot of, you know, they had those great hardcovers. So I just read the Gene Colan hardcover, which is amazing. And I'm making my way um, to the Marshall Rogers hardcover, which is the classicest of classics. Oh, yeah, the, 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 re, uh, the re-release hardcovers of those. Yeah. Oh, and it's, the so, colors are so amazing, too, now. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah, it just makes it pop so so much. Um, and then uh, I, I of course reread Year One and DKR, mm. and um, yeah, no, I've just been reading as much possible Batman as I can. Batman's very, I mean, it's I mean, it's utterly fascinating as, as like like the transitions he's had and the genres he's addressed. I mean, you can do anything you want with the character, basically. Yeah. But well, um, he's, he's very much. I mean, he's almost like a reflection of you know. The, the times and society that he's being written in. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Did you revisit Long Halloween? Because Snyder, he dropped a bomb <laughs> on his Twitter, and he said Calendar Man should be showing up. <laughs> yeah, Calendar Man is going to be in Rebirth. Whoa. Just saw oh, the pages. Oh, nice. I even screenshot it, so I have proof. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, is this, did he did he drop did he drop that about your co-written issue? Yeah, that's the co-written issue. Okay, so he's not like dropping bombs about like your your like uh, your solo issues and stuff like that. He is not dropping. Bombs. I want. <laughs> I want when Batman number one comes out, the, the the villain is in it, and I put a clue in there where you can totally figure out who it is. Oh. I want to see how many people figure it out. All right, we're we're on the case. very figure outable clue. 
but it, but I want to. I'm curious to see if it works or not. Well, I'm I'm really excited to read about the trunkler in that first issue. I'm telling you right yes, now. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you just gonna throw a trunk halfway open? Yeah. You spoiled everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a half open trunk. <laughs> There's the clue. Like little oh. arrows pointing at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Your your uh, your story in vision is. It's a it's a really tragic story. Uh, it it starts off uh, visions trying to live this this new positive life with this family that he creates, and everything just goes really really badly. And it's it's a really tragic story. Uh, it's it's it sounds evil, but I would love to see that kind of thing happening in a Batman story. I, I think that could be an interesting play. Would we see maybe anything like that coming up? Yeah, I mean the the first arc of Batman. I mean, I mean, like I said, I think the best thing Batman can do, the best thing a Batman comic can do, is give you a fifteen minute break at the end of the day, where after you read it, you want to go out and just fucking, you know, like, you get that feeling where you're just like, I want to throw punches because you're so happy, kind of. I don't know how it's like, it's like very comic booky feeling. <laughs> um, so that that's the main priority. But yeah, I, I can't I can't avoid writing these sort of little darker stories, and 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 there is a tragic element. And there's a tragic. I mean, what I'm doing is I'm writing. Um, I like to think of it as a, a sort of a trilogy. There's going to be three arcs over the year, over the 24 issues, um, with little breaks for for some some really cool one and dones in between them. But uh, so basically, what you're going to get is it's like a, like took a trilogy of movies. So there's going to be the first arc is one movie, the second arc is a th- and but but also contained stories with three of them. It's the end of three trades that represent the year. Um, and the, the the first one is there's there's a there's a big tragic element to it and, and and the tragedy of that becomes the driving force for the next the next few um, yeah but vision itself is is a straight up Shakespearean tragedy I mean that's that's what we're going for for yeah it's it's so bad poor guy everything just goes bad to worse and well, the more he tries to hold it together the more it falls apart that's like that's the definition of tragedy. But hey, maybe it has a happy ending. I know what the ending is. Uh oh, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, aside from anything that you, you know, aside from just Batman comics, is there anything else that you've been maybe reading, watching, um, listening to that that influences what you're doing right now? I mean, I, I think uh, I said this before that like comics have to start competing with how good TV has gotten. Mm. TV is so ridiculously good now. And we have to start stealing from that. We have to, I mean, comics have to generate as much conversation as an episode of Game of Thrones and, um, and or Billions or Wired or all, all those shows, Breaking Bad. We, we need to sort of do what they do in terms of how those episodes are structured to surprise you and knock you off your feet every single time. So you have to come back. And they, yeah, they keep you wanting more. Yeah, exactly. So I, I try to I try to steal a lot from from those. I think that's a good place to steal from. I also steal a lot from old movies, um, of like classic films, just because nobody looks at them anymore, so they're easy to steal from. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving away the secrets now. He's yeah, these are the good stuff. Rosebud. <laughs> that's right, Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, I, I do have to point. I do have to point out uh, before I forget to here. Uh, I'm recording right now from the comic shop where I sort of loiter behind the register, and uh, I promised that I would uh, make mention that uh, the gentleman who owns the place here, he's a big fan of yours. Uh, he puts every book that you write into the hands of every person who comes in the shop, uh, 
Uh, I'm looking at the wall of today's books right now, and there was uh, a Sheriff of Babylon issue today, and that spot on the new wall is empty because he puts uh, he puts work and everyone. So if you take nothing else away from uh, this conversation, just know that uh, Sean loves you. Well, if you take nothing else away from this conversation, tell Sean thank you, and that is the best thing I've ever heard all day. That makes my day. And I'll try to I'll try to keep writing good for Sean. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very sweet, man. Um, Tom, aside from also the um, work on with Batman, but when you're not writing comics, what do you do to kind of just chill out, relax, enjoy yourself? Well, I have three children, so that's like way too many children. Um, (laughs) That's like three too many. It's a tremendous amount of children. So typically if I'm not writing comics, I'm working on my kids. And then my wife and I have like a half hour to watch TV. Like I said, I, I, I am a fan of like classic movies, so I watch a lot of old, old kind of movies. And, and I read a lot of comic books. Like, I love comics. What do you um, like the last comic you read? Uh, what did I read? I read the Jeff, I read the Justice League from, I read all my last week's comics. Oh read Jeff's Justice League Dude, issue. How good is Justice League right now? Oh, it's so good, right? So good. Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's, I got to write on that dark side. We were one little issue of Green yeah, Lantern. Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so good. And Jason Jason Fabok's killing it. Right? It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's it, it. Even the even – the, um, who did the art on your one shot? Uh, Doc Shaner. Who, they okay. took, who, who just got signed to an exclusive. So this is what happens. People work with me, exclusive immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Hey, uh, can I can I can I get, can I work with you a bit? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Come on. Board. I, I don't I don't have any particular skills. But, work the register. You know, yeah. He's Canadian, so that might help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. That's, <laughs> that's how we got Dave. We're like, he's Canadian. Bring him in. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing. Yeah, no, they're, you got they F- got Faybuck too. Uh, they're both they're both our local guys. So yeah. you know maybe he'll get in on Batman too. DC's starting to siphon like uh, like Canadian you know uh, creators right now. It seems like to kind of get their uh, their their talent. What what else are you reading? You said Jason Aaron. What do you like about from Jason Aaron? We love Jason Aaron. Well, Jason Aaron, in my opinion, is the uh, well. I don't know. It's tough to say. He's he's, got he's a monster. Yeah, dude. We you know before <laughs> monster. Every time that we get a chance, we just kind of play around and do like a um you know if we could have one wish you know. Uh, before we knew you were coming on, like, who would you love to write, like, a Batman book or write for DC? And we always say Jason Aaron. Always, always, always. Yeah, no, thank God Jason signed that exclusive with Marvel, because I wouldn't have <laughs> <laughs> He did. A- that, was, that was a big coup for Tom. That was awesome. <laughs> You'd be writing Squirrel Girl? I would. I'd be writing Squirrel Girl. <laughs> oh, man. You know, uh, Jason Aaron wrote... Um, I think it was Joker's Asylum. It was like a one-shot Joker's Asylum issue. Of uh, it was a penguin, uh, a penguin issue, um, and it's kind of it's kind of a little bit of like his origin of how he was a little boy and picked on in school. And it's dude, it's so like sad, crazy, like insane and awesome. And it's just like it's so. I mean, if you guys haven't read that, go read it. Joker's Asylum Penguin. Um, it's totally Jason Aaron, and it but it's set in like you know the universe of Batman. So it's totally totally cool. But. Yeah, among among comic writers, like you know, comic writers like to insult other comic writers so it makes us feel good about ourselves. <laughs> but, but when when Jason's name comes up, we're like, oh man, yeah, Jason really writes. He books. always he always seems to find a way to murder somebody in a field in Texas, and everything <laughs> he writes, but somehow it fits. 
I don't know. I, I, I think I can relate to that. I, I somehow always find a way to kill a pet. I think. Oh my god, Jesus! Kill well, we pet. know how Snyder is with the horses, so you got a lot it's to live true. up to. <laughs> I, love that. I was gonna say the other guy we did that for was Scott. Scott gets like that. Like you just nobody thinks about Scott. <laughs> I think he got it from Godfather. You know, you just throw it in the bed. Yeah, just throw it in the bed or light <laughs> on fire. Uh, speaking of creators. Um, did you know going in that when when you signed on for Batman that you would have David Finch working with you, or would like who who signed first, who was told first? How did that work out? I knew. I mean, I knew when they offered it to me, they didn't know. But by the time I accepted, they didn't accept right away. By the time I accepted, they'd offer. I knew it was going to be Finch. Wow. So 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 in between the time that they made the offer and you accepted, you found out that David Finch was going to be the the the, the uh, artist. That's right. Yeah. Did it make it a little bit easier? It did. It made it a lot easier. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it made it a lot easier. Although Finch is tough because um, he's so good. I was having trouble sort of finding his his art in my head. Like you have to imagine his art. And it wasn't until I started seeing pages from him, seeing his style. It's like, okay, I get it. I get what this guy's going for. And, um, and now I feel like I'm connected with him and I sort of see where it's going. Do you feel yeah. um, Do you feel like maybe you write or format your dialogue around his artwork? Because, you know, sometimes you hear about – you know, artists complain that he puts too much dialogue. He's going to cover up my art or vice versa, where the writer's like, no, I have all this to say. I need to get it on the page. I mean, do you, do you format to Dave or have you guys kind of found a chemistry that works? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent format to Dave. It'd be stupid not to. What, was somebody else going to draw the script? And they're <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm gonna write this for uh, Doc Shaner to draw, and hopefully Dave likes it. You know, <laughs> do you um, write in like a a full script format or pretty loose? And I do. I, I'm I'm probably the most of all my friends in terms. I'm the most strict in my scripts in terms of I'm like here's what panel one is, here's what panel two is. I even see the angles and um, a, lo a lot of people in comics kind of write. I don't know, probably like seventy-five percent full script and twenty. They'll be like, "Okay, this is an action scene. Do whatever you want to." But I'm like, "Okay, his right arm is swinging above the left one." Like, I just, just... now I'm not saying that when people get my scripts, they don't just throw that shit out. But I have to write it that way, or else I can't see where it's going to put the right dialogue with it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I write pretty, scri pretty strict scripts. But um, I think Dave and I get get along because. Uh, because his art is so beautiful, and, and and I'm totally of the opinion that it's my job to get out of the way of the art. Like, like I I feel like comics is a visual medium, and, and a lot of writers just not a lot of writers, but you have to constantly keep that in your head. That like the pictures are more important than the words. The words are good. You got to have good words, but but your job as an artist is to come up with opportunities to have beautiful pictures. Um, uh, I I would say with with a lot of your writing, uh, I found that I have to uh, make a separate effort to look at the art after uh, after I'm reading the text, especially something like Vision, where there are kind of two things going on at once. There are two narratives: the, the speech between characters and those the like the narration boxes. Yeah, and I found that I I've just jumped from word to word, and then and I realized after, oh, I I didn't look at what was happening <laughs> on the page. Yeah, I mean, I I, I came again. Yeah, uh, Tom Fowler is. is Maybe not well known, but I came. He he taught me how to, how to write comics, and he's a very 
um, awesome artist, but he's very grumpy. And he would just yell at me if I did it wrong. <laughs> and, 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 he, and, he, and he had rules, like, like and he had the coffee rule. Like, you can't have two characters talking more in two panels, or else one of them has to get up and get coffee. It's so brief. <laughs> like, and, and I, I think, like, you, you have to give the artist some draw. And I, I, I don't use um, interior monologue because I, I, I feel like that's a crutch that, um, that'll make me not write as good comics because I'll start thinking of in terms of like, oh, what do I want to say as opposed to what I want to show? Um, so I, I think it, it does work better that way. You, you have to think art first. How can I create an, an incredible image? That's because when I think back on comics, when I close my eyes, I mean, I do think of a few lines. You know, I think of you know um, whatever Daredevil saying like he didn't have to sign it or Wolverine being in there, and you know now it's my turn. But like I, I, the art is what sticks in my head. You know, I see those covers. I see you know Batman against the lightning. You know, that's that's what sticks. So I think you have to try to create those moments. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should. Try, maybe maybe <laughs> no, I'm just being I, lazy. I, I think <laughs> there's uh, there's there's both sides of the coin though, uh, and. Uh, you should uh, give more credit to what your writing is driving because even the, something like The Long Halloween, as great as it looks with Tim Sale's art, where would it be without Jeff Loeb's story? For sure. Dude, that's, that's, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I'm not, not, not saying that. Maybe I'm just being humbled just to hide my own arrogance. Um, <laughs> don't, don't, don't. I, that's something I would definitely do. So don't, but. But but look at the, but look at the long hallway man. He gives Sale like the be- these beautiful splash pages. It's not there's never like two people just talking to each other in a room. He like these gorgeous angles and things. So, I mean he, there was the, the writer was letting the writer was was making room for the artist there. I think we have to constantly do that. Do you have any uh, favorite rogues that you like to I guess play with in your for Batman? <sighs> God damn, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the problem is something wrong. Like, I love Two Face, and Scott's using Two Face in his first All Star Batman thing. Son of a bitch! I know, and, <laughs> and I read it, and it's the best Two Face story you'll ever read. So oh, I can't deny it. Wow. Yeah, and um, yeah, I always like the idea of Two Face because I feel like I've been in that place where I just like cannot make a decision. Like, I just want to turn my life over to a coin. I, somehow that appeals to me. Um. Yeah, no, I, I like I, I like the stupid ones. I like Catwoman. I love Catwoman. I like Riddler. I like Joker. I have a love hate relationship with. I don't know how to handle that character yet. What do you mean? Although, I don't kill everyone. Kill everyone. Right? <laughs> or, or or let him handle you. He's one. I mean, the problem with Joker is you can't write a better Joker story than has already been written. Like, the, I feel like the greatest Jokers. I mean, Scott somehow did. He found like a new way to write Joker, weird and creepy. And it's just like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not ready to be on top of that mountain. Yeah, like you, want, you always want to try to approach it like, I want to write the best Joker story ever. I'm like, I don't have it in me yet. I haven't, I don't, I haven't found the angle on it where I could be like, this is worthy of what Alan Moore did or what Steve Englehart did or what Scott Snyder did. I, I just can't think of it. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe bring in a better new way to, of Harley Quinn and then let uh, Joker evolve around that. Yeah. There must be some, yeah, I mean, maybe it's an approach like that, like some sort of off the side. But then, like, you think, like, what hasn't been done with the Joker, you know? Like, Grant Morrison made him a superhero, and, you know, he's been he's been a quiet Joker, he's been loud Joker, he's been a chaos, he has no true identity. Uh, also, I, th- I feel like the Joker is the atom bomb of the Gotham universe, and I'm not quite ready to drop the atom bomb on Batman yet, or at least as far as 
As far as you guys know, I'm not really. Maybe I am. Like, He's the ace you, up your sleeve, you huh? Can you please kill Joker's daughter? I mean, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, please. Done. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> this is how things get done. On the board. Done. <laughs> well, as, since you're taking requests, um, <laughs> Tony Daniel, when he was working on Deathstroke, he he brought Harley Quinn into um, his story, and uh, it's probably like the the closest Harley that we've had to you know what we remember as Harley Quinn for a while. Is that any interest to you? Is uh, kind of you know looking at where Harley Harley Quinn has changed a great deal. Um, maybe looking at her kind of through the lens of the animated series, Paul Dini, Bruce Tim, Harley Quinn, and maybe kind of going in that route at all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think of Batman, like like the best Batman written, I mean, I think of the, the animated series. Oh, right? like nice. that's nice. that's that, that's what comes to my head first. Yes. Um, and then Paul Dini's detective run, which followed up on that stuff. Dustin. It's so good, right? Yeah. With Dustin, exactly, right? Um, so, yeah. That, that that does have a certain appeal to me. That said, man, Harley's about to be the biggest star in the DC Universe after that movie comes out. Oh, Jim yeah. Oh, yeah. She, I well, mean, I think I, she's pretty big now. Yeah, she's she's there. I mean, it's so crazy. She's at a swell, I think. She's, she's definitely at a swell because... Uh, you walk into like a, t- a hot topic, or like uh, you. S- I mean, the merchandise is either all Harley Quinn or all Deadpool, and yeah. even without her own movie, she's probably selling just as much merchandise as Deadpool. And it's insane yeah. to think about that. Yeah, and, and I mean, and it's such an easy one-to-one metaphor of Deadpool to Harley Quinn. Like that, they both just makes they just they sell amazing numbers and they have that same, and, and you like want to hate them but then when you actually read the comics you're like oh, that's actually pretty fun so I, I feel there is a good harley quinn story to be told Ooh. too i agree with you. Nice. very nice um you, you you mentioned uh drawing some ideas from the animated series what um do you have a specific batman animated series episode that was like your favorite or in your top five Oh my tough. I mean, I just watched the Superman Batman the trio. I know that was in the Superman series, but that's so good when you meet Superman for the first time and and they're in the and they're in the, the storytelling there. Where he's like far apart and he sees him. He's back. Oh man, I fucking love that. Um, okay, um, <laughs> what do I have? Uh, oh, I don't know. I, I can't tell you because we are using some animated stuff. Uh, I know it's oh, shit. Oh, oh, nice. oh, Great ghost. Wait, wait, great ghost. Great ghost. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Is making requests. <laughs> wait, hey, wait, I love this guy. He you don't have to say to me. <laughs> you don't have to get into specifics, but uh, you said that you're using stuff that lived in the animated series. Has have these character stories come out in, in other mediums yet, or is it just kind of you know exclusive animated series stuff that you're kind of playing with now? Um, no, I mean I think we're. I feel like the animated series was the closest we got to sort of classic. Batman and, and like when I think of neutral Batman, like where Batman starts, I think of where he is in the animated series. Mm. And um, and so I think the way we're starting Batman with Batman number one is we're starting with that, with him in the cave, with Gordon on the roof, um, with a mission, with a Batmobile, um, with with all those wonderful toys. Um <laughs> And so I feel like we're going back to that neutral place yeah. that, that the, the animated series represented. You're like describing the perfect pizza right now. Good. <laughs> Fuck. It's yeah. going to be yummy, man. It's going to be good. Yes. It's going to be good. 
Did you uh, did you ever play any of the Arkham games yourself? No, I've never played. Any. I have three kids. I cannot oh, play yeah, any yeah, video yeah, games. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you ever have the <laughs> he time, he watches them play. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> if you ever have the time, if you love the animated series, that's what brought it to life. As the first two are the first two Arkham games. I mean, you're you're playing in Paul Dini's world basically. That he he wrote he wrote them the two get the first two. So um, whenever you know the first time I ever played Arkham Asylum, I was mesmerized just because it's the animated series come to life. The art is a little bit different, but the feel of the characters is the exact same. Just amazing. But man, that makes me so excited to hear you describe that first yeah. issue. Did you say that the first is it the first actual Batman number one that's going to have the villain hint, or is it the rebirth? The first Batman number one. Got it. Yeah. Cool, man. Do you collect? Uh, do you collect any like collectibles or anything like that? I collect the just and I, my daughter plays with them. To be real, but I collect the Justice League uh, Unlimited toys. Oh. Um. The the ones they're about ten years old. They made every single DC yeah. superhero. I fucking love those. Awesome. So, yeah, I, <laughs> You keep, them on, you keep them on card or you open those up? No, I open them up. There My daughter goes. plays with them. There no, I have go. an excuse. I have an excuse. No, 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 man. We hey, but, we, uh, we open up our figures. We take pictures we of take them. We take pictures of them. Yeah, man. <laughs> we get down to the floor. We get dirty. It's really sad. <laughs> for some reason my children have decided you know they, they play superheroes and it's wonderful watching they've decided Batman's like the dumb sidekick they, he's, he's the comic relief I'm like no Batman's not dumb sidekick like, no, Batman's the dumb one they're like, yeah. they're like playing in the bathroom they're like oh Batman can't swim he's drowning again they're like Batman can yeah. swim you're like that's a pretty good idea for a story kid stealing yeah. that yeah, yeah. <laughs> stolen they're the writers, actually. behind <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Man, um, Tom, we got some. Uh, we put up a post on uh, our social media um, to get people to kind of uh, ask questions, uh, get a chance for some fans to ask some questions of you. Uh, are you cool if we go through the list a little bit? Yeah, of course. I uh, thank you for and thank you to your, the people for posting it. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so we have uh, J Dog Z. Um, I think you kind of mentioned this a little bit. Who is uh, your favorite bad villain that you would like to... Wow, it's almost... Gramps, were you reading this list? No. Okay, that's the exact same question that you posed. Who is your favorite bat villain that you would like to play with? So if you had to pick one Batman villain, who would it be? Catwoman. Catwoman, awesome. Does she count as a villain? I don't know. Uh, I mean, she's back and forth. Yeah, I mean, she's She's fun to play with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yep. Yeah, she's back and forth enough, so you can consider. But I want her in the purple dress and the green cape. Oh, oh nice. So That's Very nice. Um, Helm, uh, Heel, Mon Dragon. Oh, what is your favorite episode of Batman the Animated Series? I, I, why you guys? Uh, to me, there was a ventriloquist episode. That's what sticks out in my yes, head. Yes, dude. Oh, dude, he's my favorite. <laughs> He's my favorite animated series rogue. Well, they are my Tom, favorite animated series rogue. Tom just had yeah. a nerdgasm. Oh, dude. I just, <laughs> I'm sitting underneath the coffee table, and it just went... Um, <laughs> Jesus. Victory! Don't Know Jack Comics uh, wants to know, will we see Deadman and Etrigan? Question mark? Uh, no, sadly. <laughs> Easy answer to that one. Um, Colleen Campbell. Uh, this is a good question. Is it intimidating following such a talented author writing for a character that means so much to such a huge audience? Yes, it's horribly, horribly intimidating. Um, but I, tr- I try not to think about it. You know, you, but do you know what else is intimidating? Writing any comic book is intimidating. Mm. 
So, um, like, writing a comic book is, is like a nine, and so this is like a ten. So I'm only moving up a little bit on the intimidating scale. Yeah. I think uh, uh, Snyder, I think, at one point mentioned that he was so overcome by fear and anxiety from writing Batman, like when he first heard that he'd have to start, that he just pretended that no one else would read it except for him. <laughs> like that's, he like pretended that <laughs> that he was the only one that was gonna read it, so it, it didn't matter, which is I think brilliant. Um, and then another question is pretty good. What's the scariest part about taking over such an important character like Batman? Oh man, um, I don't know. I'm gonna get some little detail wrong when I like had the clock read 10:47 instead of 10:48 or some, <laughs> and they're gonna get pissed. Um, <laughs> Uh, the scare, the scare. Honestly, if I had to say this, 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 there, there are two numbers that stick out of my head that are the scariest. Twenty nine and four. Twenty nine is how old Frank Miller was. When he wrote Dark Knight, and four is how many issues uh, Year One took. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so when I think of th- those two things, scare me more because I'm like, I, I've already written five issues, and I don't think I wrote Year One. So he's already fucking ahead of me, and I'm thirty, <laughs> and I'm older than twenty nine. So he's twice ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> those two numbers scare the crap out of me. <laughs> but just like Frank said, I mean, Batman's a, a diamond, and you can just throw him up against the wall, and he won't break. So you can do anything you want to him. Yeah, but you got to make him cool. Yeah, <laughs> he's always going to be cool. I mean, like even Grant Morrison made him weird, but he was still cool. At certain points. Yeah, but like like in, in the cult when he actually joins the cult, like oh, that wasn't cool. <laughs> like, yeah, he can't always... join cults, man. He can't, he's Batman. There's always the exception. Um, Ricky Random wants to know if you close your eyes to think about Batman and what he sounds like. Whose voice do you hear? Uh, Kevin Conroy, right? Yeah, cool. Nice. Yeah, Ricky uh, Martin. Well, some yeah, some might <laughs> some might say Val Kilmer. You never know. You know. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I do. Bale. I, I do. The Christian Bale. The Christian Bale was so good as Bruce Wayne, and now his like the farther we get from his Batman seems to me a little like so absurd. Just, yeah, the voice. So many people have made fun of it. It's gone like it's a parody, you know. Talk to me, Compton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the one wearing hockey pads. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> <out of> <laughs> <laughs> well, he just got done fighting a dog, man. <laughs> so, so what'd you think of uh, Batman v Superman then? Uh, yeah, that was a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I th- I, th- I thought Ben Affleck did a really good job. I mean, since that. I thought ben, I, th- I would I would I would I'm excited for a Ben Affleck Batman. Yeah, yeah. That, I think everyone has at least that to take away. No matter what you say, good or bad, I think everyone says that Affleck did a either a, he did a fine job, like he was yes, he, he was good enough as Batman, or he was great as Batman. So even even every hater says that, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think there's there's so much hate about that movie that I'm just I'm tired of it. Yeah. I'm tired of it. It was a movie, you know. It's it's okay. Yeah, people. Yeah. I think it's it was. Um, I think because so many people were had had the Nolan trilogy so close to them, and it was uh, it was so recent and it was so beloved that um, anything coming out of that was going to have a lot of criticism, regardless if it was good or not. And uh, you know, I think it kind of suffered from that, um, and it just didn't get you know probably its fair shake. You know, maybe if it would have waited a couple years or whatever. But uh, anyways. Something that's interesting, like, what did you think about the voice, the voice changer? Because that was one thing when the trailers came out that I saw a lot of uh, complaints about. Oh, that's so stupid. Why would he have a voice changer? But then after the movie came out, people were like, it actually, actually makes kind of sense. 
Yeah, of course. Voice changer. That's, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. So you don't have to talk like this. <laughs> yeah. Makes it an easy fix. My, my, my one thing. I, I can be the away, hero the city needs. One thing I took away from that movie most about the Batman is that it showed how haunted he actually was psychologically because, you know, the the origin scene was so terrifying, especially from a kid's point of view. I just love that they reemphasized, you know, Here's why this grown man still dresses up and goes out and fights, even though, you know, a normal person probably would have, you know, let bygones be bygones and they would have, you know, after a while let it rest. But he actually was haunted and, and, you know, on the verge of insanity almost. Yeah. And I think, I think that portrayal, and you could see that on him, you know, four years later, it's still affecting him. So yeah, I mean that that's pretty cool. And there and, and, and that movie well that movie had some cool with the I love the Alfred interaction. I'm totally think oh, that was yeah. amazing and um and and the, the action scene where he jumps into the second floor building and comes out there, I mean, that was very badass. Cool. Yeah. There was some good badass stuff to take away from that that I'm gonna try to steal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, that actually, that was something we uh we spoke to Dave a little bit about uh when he talked about the movie with us. Uh, if he was going to borrow anything visually from the Ben Affleck Batman, and uh, he, he suggested that that was something he was doing. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, yeah. Tom, and then the last question that was on there was, uh, can you please bring Harley back to Gotham? <laughs> um, oh, that's, that, that's actually a possibility. That's well, more a possibility than She Batman. kills Joker's daughter, right? Yeah, exactly. It solves all the problems. Go on. Very awesome. <laughs> nice. Um, hey Tom, um, who's your uh, who's your favorite Robin? Oh, good question. Dick Grayson. What? That's a stupid question. There is. There is no. <laughs> Roll for Grayson, smartass. No. <laughs> Dick Grayson hey, was well, the best Robin. Besides, besides, uh, besides uh, Blue Dick. <laughs> Um, who would be your favorite Robin besides Grayson? I should have asked that. There you go. The ones that haven't died. The ones that haven't. I mean, like my Robin growing up, like in all honesty, was Tim. Like that was so. When I think about Robin in my head, if I close my eyes and think about him, like your your test you just gave me, I see Tim with his um, uh, with his long stick and his slingshot um, in the green and yellow outfit Mm. with the black with the black cape. Um, so, I mean, I, I have love for that character. In, in Robin, where I got to write all of them, especially in the Grayson issue we did, where I sort of spotlight each of them, and I don't they're, they're all, I mean, Jason's very fun to write. I mean, he's a fun character to, just in terms of, like, you know, a guy who, with Batman's training who doesn't take any shit at all, like a mm-hmm. slash between Punisher and Batman. Um, I don't know. He's probably the most fun to write in terms of that stuff. More than I was wondering if uh, Damien was going to show up in your run. I bet. Uh, uh, eventually, we'll address the Damien thing. It's so complicated, and also Damien's doing his own thing. He's going to he's going to turn up um, the elsewhere. Teen Titans. Yeah, the Teen Titans. Hmm. Um, so we we I don't want to spoil what's going to happen, but I mean, there's a reason he's not in the book. I guess oh, is the best way to say. He dies mm. again. I get it. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes, he dies again. He comes back again. So. Yeah. Um, well, that's. That, I mean, it's. It's kind of. Uh, that that could be a question posed, kind of like to maybe influence or maybe kind of flesh out your Batman. Um, previous like incarnations of 
Batman in in the specific like standalone Batman book, you know they've uh, they've tried to either include Robin in the Bat Family or they've kind of stuck to just like solely a Batman story. Do you feel like uh, you're leaning one way or the other and in between? Like where do you see yourself with your Batman? Well, he has Duke Thomas is is coming into the cave. Um, oh, cool. that, that's that's been well known. So he's not he's not Robin. Or he might not be Robin, I guess is the best way to put it. But there is a he has a new ward. Um and to, and to me that's that's where Batman needs to be. Like the the, the people there he should have a um a young gentleman or woman that he's training and he should have Alfred and he should have Gordon and that should be this that's the supporting cast that Batman mm. needs to succeed. Mm. Uh in, in terms of his own book, I mean we I mean, the, the larger Bat family is, is awesome and complicated, but just in terms of getting to the core of that character, I think those three people show all different aspects of the character and, and, and allow allow him to, to to show aspects of himself. So, yeah. So, we're, we're starting from, I mean, there's a bit of a Batman and Robin dynamic to this. Now, now Duke is still in the training phase. I compare it to um, the year that Tim spent in the cave before he sort of came out in the actual suit. Mm. So, that that's where we start off. Duke, Duke is still, you know, he's not fully out every day with Batman on patrol. He's still in the cave doing backup work and sort of learning on what's going on. And, and Scott's book, um, All-Star Batman, is going to be the impetus to show how Duke sort of makes his way into the training. Sure. What do you see as, like, um, your dynamic of Alfred and Batman? Because you know, there's there's kind of different uh, takes on him, uh, either in different books or in different kind of forms of media. You know, the shows, you know, that show Gotham now has a little bit more of, like, a... Um, in Earth One, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Johns, you know, Alfred, um, where he's kind of more grizzled and he's like, you know, has field training as in the military. Like, what do you see as your Alfred? Yeah, I, I think Alfred is is the second star of my book, I, or the second lead, or I don't know what you'd call him. Nice. Um, the understudy. The understudy, yeah. He's the, 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 the second most important character. Um, but we, we, we were having this discussion because, you know, um, in the books – uh, Batman's been calling Penny One. He's been saying that Penny One thing. Mm. I don't know if you guys noticed yeah. that word. Penny talks One, out. Penny Two. Penny One, Penny Two. And, um, and, and, and in, in my script, I just have him saying Alfred. And they're like, well, what, don't you like Penny One? I was like, there is nothing in the world cooler than Batman just saying Alfred into, yeah. his, into his mic and knowing that on the other end of that phone is all the answers he needs. Just Alfred. Right. Boom. Mm. You're off. I think that was, there's a moment in Batman vs. Superman where Ben Affleck is in the suit, in the Batwing, uh, like in the third act, and um, Alfred calls him, and he just, like, he goes, Alfred. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, that's... Yeah, right? That should have happened way earlier in the movie. Like, it sounds so badass, you know? Like, it's just yeah. like, he's in trouble. He's in trouble. He needs help. And then he's, like, calling to Alfred. Like, Alfred, the only guy that could probably help him out in that situation. And, uh, and uh, to answer your question of who my Alfred is, I... I to me, Alfred is the one guy who sees entirely through everything Bruce is doing. Like, nobody else sees that. Like, like it, when Alfred looks at Batman, he sees a guy in a costume. Maybe Greenlight, maybe Hal Jordan sees it that way. Maybe that's one other person. Like, he doesn't see any of the intimidation factor, any of that. All he sees is the, the, <laughs> the boy in the paint. And it's both funny and tragic, and it, it, makes, it means he's closer to Batman than anyone else. And it means he's the one guy who can call Batman on his shit like nobody else. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 kind of like, I mean, there there is sort of, sort of an element of almost like an old married couple to them, where it's like, 
<laughs> you know, you, you come back from your day and you had the greatest day in the office ever and you get home and your wife looks at you and you're, and you're like, I'm king of the world. She's like, you still got to do the fucking dishes. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know who you, underneath all this, you're still that. I'm like, okay. I, that's so, awesome. Yeah, that, that's that's the relationship we're going for. I, I love Alfred. I, I didn't realize how much, how what a key he is to the entire writing of the series. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a way into writing the thing. Have uh, have you kind of um, had fun with uh, now that you got Batman, you know, kind of in your um, sandbox? Um, you can kind of have unlimited resources of gadgets and toys and Batmobile is Batwing. Have you kind of looked at maybe playing around with that kind of stuff yet? Of uh, yeah, you have. To, I mean, Batman has to do in every issue something insanely, something insane, and has to involve some cool gadget. Awesome. Um, that said, like I. I want it to be grounded enough. Like, I, like the whole point of the run and the whole point of my run is to show that Batman is mortal and that mm. shapes him. The fact that he's not a superhero. Mm. Um, and so I don't want to give him like too many gadgets where he just becomes a superhero where he's just armored, you know? Yeah. Um, where he's basically Iron Man. He's Batman's not Iron Man. He's not Tony Stark. He's Batman. He survives by his wits and his will, Boom. not by his toys. Boom. Um, nice. so I, so although, yeah, I mean, he's got every cool thing at, 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 his, at his disposal in the heart. This is about a guy, um, in a costume with nothing between him and, um, the villains, but a thin layer of Jabardine, you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that being said, do you, ha you have any plans on like him interacting with any other member of the justice league in the solo book? Like just, you know, any big I, or small? I do. I do. I can't talk about it. But... <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I want I want this to be a book where where Batman is a member of the Justice League. I'm not going to ignore that fact. Like, if there is a huge threat, he's not going to be like, "Oh, I got to fight this threat by myself." He's going to be like, oh, "I'm going to call the Justice League." Like, I want it to be logical. Like, yeah. I mean, as much as superheroes can be, but this is a shared universe, and I love shared universes, mm -hmm. love continuity, and so this is a Batman who is a member of the Justice League. This is a Batman who, in James James's book is running his own superhero team. So, I mean, he's doing all of those things. This is not a, this is not the lonely Batman by himself solving all the problems on his own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, um, you know, more recently, one of the coolest Batman moments that I remember um, that Snyder wrote wasn't even in Batman. It was in Superman Unchained. Um, when <laughs> Batman is in, Super, you know, he's in the series and he's trying to help uh, Clark figure out what the hell's going on with him. And he's essentially, like, in the cave doing this research, doing all these things, like... It's just it just shows like the side of him that he's he's not just the guy out there kicking ass. He's the genius that is figuring shit out when no one else knows how, you know. And it just kind of shows that little side of him that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to see. Yeah, I think I think some of the greatest Batman stories were the first JLA Grant Morrison thing when he had to sort of show oh. we had to show why Batman was on that team, you know. Yes, those were so amazing because like he's like oh wow like like. Superman would fall down and Batman would stand up. You'd be like, "How is that possible?" Yeah, yeah. like that. I, I think that that um, that contrast um, is very interesting. Yeah, and then the JLA run, he's like basically hunting down the Martians, like the only last member in the Watchtower left. That's right. It's, yeah, I always think of that one. Yeah, when he's it's, last, yeah. and it happens off panel. They're just looking up at him. And they're like, "How is he doing?" Yeah, it's so amazing. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's that's really cool to hear that uh, it sounds like we're going to get a nice, well-rounded Batman out of your run, and uh, I know we couldn't be happier. You know, that's another thing, too. Like, um, we've kind of talked to David to, to David Fitch about it, but there's going to be a new generation of readers that their first introduction to Batman was uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and that's all they know. 
And, um, you know, because there, there's been a big kind of increase in readers in the last several years. Sure. Um, so you're going to be kind of people's next step, next chapter of Batman. One thing that I noticed is that there was like not, there was no like upheaval, no like groans, no worry when it was named that you'd be on Batman. Uh, as, and then also, the, obviously, of course, that David Finch would be coming on too. Rather than being like groaning or crying or saying, I don't want this, why are they going to change? It was kind of more like an underground kind of, you know, surge of excitement did you feel any of that at all like did you get any sense of that dude uh yeah no uh when they announced it i honestly expected people to be like who the fuck is that go away um <laughs> i always expect the worst which is why i think they let me write batman uh and people were kind so i, I, I think the comic industry i mean they, they get a lot of bad rap because a lot of you know there's you know a very small minority of people who go on and complain all the fucking time but in my experience, and again, this is just just me. I mean, you, you can't judge, judge everything, but like they've been incredibly accepting of some weird ass shit I've done, and incredibly supportive of me. You know, I, I, the first comic I wrote was a Future's End ish crossover issue. And I wrote it backwards, and people could have just thrown that in the trash and be like, "Who's this pretentious piece of shit?" <laughs> um, and instead, they like took it seriously and they gave it a shot. And, and same with Vision. Vision is a weird ass book, and they and and people gave it a shot. Comic people are more open because. You know, we're nerds. You know, we're the, we're the guys who were fucking rejected. We were picked last. Um, you know, I feel the comic industry, we're a, we're a group of outsiders who found each other. And when we realize that you got to give people a chance. And I, I, I think that spirit runs through comics, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think, I think you're right. I think um, the readers who've been there for a while, they know the changes. They know what to expect. And I think they want something fresh and new. And they don't want the same thing over and over again. And I think that you represent that. You know, you're bringing kind of a different element. And you're coming from a very uh, diverse place, a very different place than a lot of people who have approached Batman in the past. So uh, we're looking forward to it for sure. Definitely. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah. I, mean, I think it helps that Scott, Scott's coming along with me. And Scott's still in the Bad Universe writing an in-continuity book. Mm. And um, so what you're going to get is just hopefully I, I, I bring it and he's definitely going to bring it. And so you're gonna you're gonna get a solid corner of the DCU where you can expect comics that can blow you away. That's at least, cool. God willing. Oh yeah. Yeah. You and you mentioned too. It's it's kind of a nice transition because he's handing off the torch and you're picking it up, and it's kind of making it easy even for the people who don't know you and who might not know what to expect. They're not just gonna be kind of thrown into a cold bath, you know. They're sure. they're, they're getting that transition for him, which you know it it rarely kind of happens. It's kind of nice that, that you get that for yourself too. Yeah. Did you find the pace of, uh, I guess this book's going to be out every two weeks, is that correct? Every two weeks, oh, yeah. Jesus, we haven't even talked about that. Yeah, did you find that pace a little different to adjust to? Well, I mean, um, I'm, I'm way ahead, and so is David. Um, so I think we're going to be okay. And, uh, I mean, to me, it, to me like, like, like I said, when I, when I picked up this book, when I first got the offer, I was writing Grayson, Omega Men, Vision, and, and Sheriff, so Grayson went away, uh, Mega Man just went away, and eventually Vision's going to go away. So eventually the pace will be a little less than it was last year. Hmm. So it's, it's actually a little less than it was. You'll have more it's, breathing it's, room. I'll have a little more breathing room. Yeah. I'll be writing three, uh, three a month instead of four. Wow, so man. So. Okay. Because you've said that uh, Sheriff is going to continue on, like go into like season two or something like that, correct? Yeah, yeah Sheriff will be in season two. Yeah, Sheriff's ongoing. Hopefully Sweet. we'll get like 72 issues or something. If I can talk Mitch into it. You can even throw the trunkler in Sheriff too, if you have to. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Already done. It's the name of our first trade. 
Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, do you have any uh, um, – what's your convention scene looking like uh, throughout the rest of the year? Do you know it already in advance or no? I am doing – so I'm local in Washington, D.C. Hmm. Um, and I'm not traveling too much because I'm so much riding and so many kids. So I'm doing Awesome Con, which is our local con out here. And after that, I'm doing a signing at Third Eye and San Diego, um, Baltimore. I'm doing Richmond. Cool. So a, people, lot of, a lot of East Coast cons except for San Diego. Yeah, well, I mean, San Diego's big, so I think um, I, a lot of people show up, so they'll be able to catch yeah. you there. Uh, yeah. so, so plenty of opportunity to come see you then, basically. Plenty of opportunity to come see me. And when it quiets down, I'll do, I'll do more well, West Coast cons. And um, and hopefully next year. I didn't get to do C two E two this year. I want to go back to C two E two. I love that con. Mm. Well, I, I, yeah. used, I used to do. I when you know when I'm coming up and I just had just my book to sell. I did every single con I possibly could. Um, so I've done most of them. I did. I think I did like thirteen in a year once. Um, just you know going sitting in artist alley trying to hand sell my book everywhere I could. So <laughs> I've done the con circuit. Um, I, I I have a certain fondness for. It. Do your kids know what you like? Do they understand that? dad writes batman or that dad does that or is going to or writes comic books yeah i mean the two oldest the two oldest are six and seven so yeah they they know that and they sometimes they help me i'll be like is this cool what do you think is this cool is this badass i don't say badass is this <laughs> awesome um and uh yeah and um my daughter who's, the, who's is loves comic books and superheroes that's all she's into so she 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 really digs it but it's funny like i went to my kids class because they invited me to like you're a writer batman go talk to the first graders like yeah it's gonna be awesome wow that's cool and i went there and i'm, I'm like I, sw- I fucking swear to god this is true i i'm like i'm like <laughs> i write batman and and, and, and some little girl says yes like well, do you write spider-man too i was like <laughs> oh, shit. no no I, I, I don't write spider-man she's like why not <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> Dan Slot won't let that throne go. I was like, Dan Slot's <laughs> not walking through that door, lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've taken up a, a lot of uh, Tom's time here. Uh, maybe we should uh, get into our lightning round and oh. uh, get him out of maybe here. Maybe let's, let's split. Uh, Robin, you want to explain what the, right, uh, the lightning round is? Yeah, so we do a lightning round with everyone we talk to. Basically, we're going to ask you a, a series of mostly ridiculous questions and just give us the, the first answer that pops into your head. Uh, you know, we just uh, people get to, to know who you really are. Trunkler. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a list here, Robin. If, if, uh... Yeah, go ahead, Grant. Here we go. Mr. King. Yes, uh, 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 hack writer. <laughs> your, what, what is your favorite food? Corn muffins. What are corn yes. muffins? What are, corn? what are corn muffins? Oh my god! I've what? never had. Is that like cornbread? It's like cornbread in muffin form. Yeah, it's a corn muffin. I, 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 oh, that sounds you're bad. From Texas, you don't know what corn muffins are. I'm, I know what a blueberry muffin is. Oh yeah. you're from oh, Texas. Boy. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Number two. No, Catwoman or Wonder Woman <laughs> in a mud fight? I'm offended by the question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> M&M's, plain or peanut? Oh, plain. Oh. oh. Sorry, sorry. No, a fucking peanut butter. Can I say that? Can oh, I get shit. in there? Oh, oh, yeah, there you go. Shit. Yeah. Boom. Yep. Fuck. All right. You're, you're the new Batman Raider. You can do what you want. <laughs> Very true. We'll agree with that. 
<laughs> How much do you deadlift? Let's see. One of my kids is 70 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say I can do 220. 220, nice. all right. Uh, thin crust or deep dish pizza? A deep dish. Oh, oh. Gonna be I married, I married Chicago girl. I married a Chicago girl. Oh, and you married a good woman. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no, there's no. <laughs> that's my number one advice to comic creators: marry someone from the Midwest. Wow. Yep. Uh, who's your favorite music man? Uh, were there multiple music men in the? No, music band. I'm sorry. Oh, music band. Yeah. Oh, I don't fucking know. Who's uh? <laughs> I don't know. That's next question. I don't know. There's, okay. wait, wait, it means it's meaningless to say what your favorite band is, right? Or maybe I just. I don't know. If next could, question. Okay. If you could bring someone famous back and have you know dinner with them, who would it be? Shakespeare. Oh wow! Oh, good answer. Cool. Oh, sweet! I nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd pick Anna Nicole Smith, but that's a good one too. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite movie? Wait, Anna Nicole died? Oh no! <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. Favorite uh, movie? Sullivan's Travel. Cool. Mm. It's an old movie. If you, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, do you guys remember in the eight? I mean, she's around again, but in the eighties, of Magic from the New Mutants. Uh, yeah. She had the power to to go into a, another universe where time didn't pass when she left. I, if I could find some place where I can just disappear into another place and just like, oh, I can sleep there, sleep in, and come back, and everything's okay. Can <laughs> my deadline's done? Everything goes okay. I can, I can avoid. I can avoid death. You know, that's the best power ever. Yeah. Uh, Finch wanted to stop time so he could reach deadlines. <laughs> See? That's why we get along. That's why we get along. <laughs> What's your favorite on-screen Batman? Uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah! Nice. <laughs> awesome. um, Easy okay. time. Favorite cartoon growing up? I should probably give a more sophisticated answer. Um, what was my favorite cartoon? Like I couldn't. It's Ducktales. Nice. Ducktales, cool. Good one. All right, if uh, if you and Scott Snyder went downtown in Manhattan, oh, who would win? Right. Who would win in a dance off? Scott Snyder would win in everything. He is a beast. <laughs> <laughs> I once saw him beat up a bouncer, and that's not even that's not an exaggerated story. He, up a fucking bouncer. What? <laughs> oh, wow. wow. I'll tell the story, but it was amazing. I didn't know him at the awesome. time. I write it, Batman, like, bitch. Who the fuck just that bouncer? Who's that little? He's not. He's not. He's not a small, but he's not the biggest guy in the world. I was like, who the fuck is that kind of little guy? Just be, oh, that's Scott Slander. I was Red's Batman. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Is that a true story? <laughs> that's a fucking true story. Wow. We'd like to get oh, him man. on the. Yeah, we're talking about that. Yeah. All right. That's a. Uh, that's all the lightning around questions that I had. Uh, anybody else had any? Um, <clears throat> I think we covered them all. Unless uh, anybody's got anything else from you. What was good. the M and M answer? It was peanut. He he actually peanut butter. Peanut, peanut butter. butter. He, I went off script. Oh wow! So he's experienced the peanut butter. There you go. Yeah, Robo Rich. Robo Rich is our M and M connoisseur. 
Uh, takes it very seriously, you know. Has this a is a nice way of saying I need help because I'm overweight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Sorry, brother. Just comic books. Yeah. We don't eliminate the overweight, or else we wouldn't have what we call sales. Yep. <laughs> Customers. When you're when you're big and overweight, you can't go far, and when you can't go far, you read a lot. So. Oof, that's my philosophy of life. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I have that tattooed across my chest. I keep trying. Yeah. I, I can watch the tattoos. So. <laughs> I keep trying to tell my wife that, but she's not buying it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to call that a night with uh, Tom King. Thanks so much for giving us your time. But let me say yeah. thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And thanks for supporting Batman and all the kind words and everything, man. Always. Absolutely. We're, we're massively looking forward to your run. And uh, we know that, that you and your team are going to do some great things. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so Thank much. You, Tom. Thanks, guys. This is Jervis Tetch with Gotham's Haberdashery, home of Gotham's finest hats and men's clothing. Come on in for a fitting. We guarantee our hats will blow your mind. All right, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to Bat Force Radio. Definitely subscribe over on iTunes and or SoundCloud. and bringing you everything imaginable from the world of the Dark Knight. And we'll see you next time. Tom, you, uh, our Tom, you, we, we have a Tom here too, so that'll get uh, confusing. But, uh, oh, I'm already. Mi- that's it. I'm mis- <laughs> We've never had Mr. another Delgado. Tom on the, on the podcast go? before. This should get interesting. There can be only one. Yeah. One of us writes Batman, the other one doesn't. Holy oh, shit, did they offer you Batman? Well, you know, what do you know? I don't know. It was, it was a big, uh, I had to turn it down. You know, I had a lot going on um, with the ping pong league and everything after work. So I think it's in good hands, though. Jesus oh. Christ, hang on God, one is second. That the noise? Who, who was that? I'm, I'm oh, Jesus Christ. Jeez. trunks here. All right, uh, Tom, sorry about that. We have a resident trunkler. <laughs> that we have to make you aware of real quick. Um, that noise was uh, the villain of our group. Villain. Yeah, we call him the Trunkler because uh, he's a grown man with children who isn't allowed to bring toys or comics into his home. No, that's bullshit. <laughs> and so, take your, take, take your volume down there. Hey, Scott. back away from the mic. So yeah, you uh, got, he, I got the voice of God coming at us. He has again. to keep it in his don't trunk. Wanna, don't let it get twisted. All right, Thomas. Scott. Oh, well, have- I'm, I'm sorry, Trunkler, that you find yourself in this situation. <laughs> um, I hope Don't- someday she can forgive you. <laughs> uh, someday, someday, maybe we'll forgive him. We got Trunkler coming in hot.